But if you are feeling sinister, go off and see a minister. He'll try in vain to take away the pain of being a hopeless unbeliever. La 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 la. Oh, hello there. Hi. And welcome to Comic Book Herald Live. Hey, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Thanks to those of you joining in live. I'm seeing lots of questions already pouring into chat. If you are here live, of course, I will try to answer as many questions as I can. Let's see, am I showing too much chest? No, that feels... Arguably, yes, we'll say no. We'll say no for the time being. Get your questions in, get your thoughts in the chat. I will answer what I can. You can find... The world's best comic book website at comicbookherald.com. You can find reading orders and guides to all of the X-Men comics and comics coming out today, including Dark Web event comics. But mostly today, we're going to talk about the Sins of Sinister. There is, of course, a Sins of Sinister reading order over on CBH. There is also a Road to Sins of Sinister video here on the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel. Occasionally, I do produce produced and edited videos. Happens on occasion. I don't know how it happens. Sometimes they just pop out there. Uh, I got a good one coming soon. And uh, you can find that right now on the CBH YouTube channel. If you like the channel, please like, comment, subscribe, share, um, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Any of that probably helps. Uh, tell a clone of yourself in someone else's body. That would work too. So, hey, let's do this, baby. We got uh, Sins of Sinister today. We got Exterminators number five. And we got Sabretooth and the Exiles number three. Those are our X comics of the day. And, of course, uh, then we had Amazing Spider-Man as part of the Dark Web tie-ins. Um, my comment there is Dark Web is, in fact, still happening. Um, okay, that one's out. Of, that one's checked off. <laughs> Done. All right, on to X-Men stuff. Again, get in as many questions as you have in the chat here. I'm seeing here, wondering if we'll have another Hatless Dave jump scare, as I did last week, to reflect the big reveal in Immortal X-Men number 10. Uh, no, no chance. No chance. I'm, a, I'm not a one-trick pony. Right? You see it. You see a gag once. That's it. <laughs> okay. That's the only time. I'm seeing it from Banksy. I tell all my enemies about CBH. Good. Good. Please tell all your enemies. The more enemies you have, the better. Gets me more traffic, uh, and that of course just gives me more attention. My empire continues to grow. Empire building right now. It's waning a bit. It's waning a bit. Things are fine. Listen, I'm fine. Like we're gonna be okay. But the CBH empire, I don't know. We're in flux, right? Like, are we growing? No, absolutely not. <laughs> not. Not by any metric. But things are fine. No complaints. Thanks for asking. Um, okay, these other questions we can get to later. Let's do this, baby. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Why was Drew and Krakow the saddest thing I've seen all month? Agree. We'll get there. We'll get there as well. Uh, Super Chat is available. I'm seeing one pop in here from Alfonso. Thank you so much. Uh, if you like Combo Carol, you can, of course, Support over at patreon.com slash comicbookherald. That's one way you can do it. Uh, or Super Chat here on YouTube. It encourages me to keep doing these. Talking comics showing up and talking comics here live with all of you. So thank you so much, Alfonso. Much, much appreciated. Uh, all right. Should we start with Sins of Sinister? Should we do the other books first? I don't know. What do you all think? That's probably what you're here for. Um, Super Tooth and the Exiles was pretty good. Uh, Exterminator number five was definitely, um, that was the conclusion of that miniseries. And if you liked it to that point, you probably liked issue five, right? It was definitely tonally consistent. Uh, fine, we'll start Sins of Sinister. Pull my arm. Pull my arm. Now Sinister's real plans can begin. We've been waiting for this baby since House of X and Powers of Ten. So, all right, here's here's what I got on Sins of Sinister. Um, my main takeaway from this issue, written by Karen Gillan, we got art here by Lucas Wernick, and a whole host of guest artists. We got colors by Brian Valenza, throughout letters by Clayton Cowles. 
Um, it felt a little predictable, okay? Uh, it felt a little, like, delivering on everything that we expected and anticipated, but rarely in unexpected ways. Now, there are a couple of major exceptions to that. I was, I was because of that, because of my hype for this event, in, in, I, instantly, not instantly, but my immediate reaction was uh, somewhat underwhelmed, actually. Because my hype for Sins of Sinister is crazy high. I am, I've come back around, frankly, already. This is the kickoff, right? And it is laying out how did we get to the Sins of Sinister alternate reality, right? It is very much a direct follow-up to Immortal X-Men number 10. You know, we see the big reveal at the end of Immortal X-Men number 10 that Sinister, although he was thrown in the pit, that actually he won because his consciousness, he has created, you know, Sinister clones, Sinister-influenced DNA in Professor X. And what we learned here in this issue is that was the plan all along, right? And this is something we teased out on last week's live stream. But basically, you know, he had to manipulate Hope because Hope was blocking sinister schemes to influence everyone during the resurrection process. Now, this is actually a nice reveal here by Gillen because Sinister did, in fact, try to manipulate the resurrection process as introduced in House of X and Powers of Ten. Mr. Sinister tried <laughs> to manipulate that from jump, from the get-go, Moira was like, don't bring in Sinister, he's evil. Charlie and Mags go behind her back and do it anyway. And they were wrong, because Sinister did, in fact, try to toy with the resurrection process to put in these sort of latent genes that he could activate and then control all of Krakoa. But it didn't work because of Hope's abilities. She was fixing it unconsciously. So that's why Sinister's scheme, that's why in Immortal X-Men number 9, when he's killing all of the Quiet Council... He's actually like, okay, target number one is hope. I need hope off the board because someone else has to do the resurrection for my sinister genetics to actually take over here. So all the dark resurrection theorists, you know, all the folks who are like, everyone on Krakoa seems a little bit weird. I bet they're being tampered with in resurrection. They were technically right while also being wrong, <laughs> which is a nice, a nice threading of the needle there by Gillen and company. I did quite appreciate that because it means the entire Krakoa experience to this point is all authentically X-Men, right? It is all authentically the mutants that we know from the Marvel Universe that we know. There is no backing out and saying, oh, they only established a nation haven because they were being uh, latently controlled by Mr. Sinister. You don't get that out, which I prefer. I vastly prefer not being able to walk it back and be like, oh, any bad decision anyone made was a sinister play. With the exception of Beast, who at this point, like if they want to do that, just whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Fix him. Bring my boy back. But uh, but otherwise, okay, you don't get that out, which is better, which is definitely better. But it makes so much sense character-wise, and, and who gets the character of Sinister better than Kieran Gillen? No one. Um, it makes so much sense for this character to say, yeah, but I was trying. <laughs> of course he was. Of course he was. He wants everything to be sinister, and that's what we get here in this issue. Oh, BT dubs. Um, spoilers. <laughs> Missed that memo. Uh, spoilers will follow, and will continue to follow. Uh, I'm seeing here a comment from Ben. Good Lord, Dave's serving hot ex-zaddy tonight. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll have to throw the camera back on for that. Listen, I can't zip the hoodie up all the way. It's it's encroaching. It's too uncomfortable. I've just got the V-neck on underneath. Listen, chest hair is going to pop, okay? These things are going to happen on live streams, right? Anything goes. Um, listen, like I said, CBH Empire in flux. I need the money. <laughs> Need to put that chest out there. Let's see. Uh, Lucas asks, what do I have to read before reading this? Now, I could answer that question. I could answer it very easily. What I will do instead is I will say, search for the Sins of Sinister Reading Order on Comic Book Herald, and you will find my complete guide. I lay out a fast track that will get you everything that you need to need to understand and enjoy the Sins of Sinister. A lot of folks are already telling you in the comments, Thanks, everybody, for jumping in. But, yeah, I mean, basically, we got it there. I mean, it's going to be House of X, Powers of Ten. It's going to be Hellions to a degree, and it's going to be Immortal X-Men. And then, of course, there's some other stuff that is obviously important. But, like, if you read just that, um, you'll you'll at least have, like, a clue, right? You'll, you'll kind of know what's going on. Because Sins of Sinister, it's funny. Like, it simultaneously is a bit hand-holdy in terms of getting us from point A to point B, but it also is very much in the throes of the Krakoan build of X-Men comics to this point in time. You know, like this is very much like, if you have not been paying attention since July, 2019, you know, this is a bit of a turn. <laughs> but hopefully, like, but if you've read, if you've only read House of X and Powers of 10, I mean, this probably works pretty well, honestly. Um, I don't know, I guess the Moira bit, which we can talk about with, you know, you'd be like, what, what happened there? Um, but if you only read that, like it would still make some sense, you know, it's not that complicated. You know, this is sinister taking over the world. It's a classic supervillain story, right? It's what every supervillain wants, which is why when Mr. Sinister is going through his step-by-step -step plan to conquer the world, the first people we see taken off the board, aside from all of mutant kind, obviously with Krakoa and Sinister, you know, making them other versions of himself, other Sinisters, uh, are supervillains. We see Sinister take out Thanos by shooting a miniaturized juggernaut through his head in the time stream. Flipping <laughs> so cool. <laughs> that was awesome. Like, what a, what a just trippy... Like, here's the thing. If you're going to do an alternate reality, you're going to do an alternate reality, go effing crazy with the details about what happens to everyone who is not a part of your story. It's one of my favorite little things about Age of Apocalypse, right? When they have those little winks and nods to like, hey, what happened to the Avengers? Or what's Spider-Man doing right now, right? When you get those little glimpses, it doesn't hardly need to be more than like a tombstone, you know? Because then that leaves the mystery of like, oh, what happened here? But with Thanos, there's no mystery. I mean, Juggernaut, time stream miniaturized through his head. <laughs> what a glorious page to get to write for Mr. Gillen, who wrote the best Thanos of the last, hmm, I wasn't prepared to answer this one on air. Uh, Gillen wrote the best Thanos of the last, well, 20 years. Well, that's unfair to you. Darn it, because Starlin's been writing Thanos basically on and off forever. Um, but the best Thanos of the last couple of years. <laughs> all right, best Thanos of the last couple of years. The best non-Starlin Thanos of all time. How about that? Gillen wrote the best non-Thanos Starlin. <laughs> Hang on. The best non-Starlin Thanos of all time, Okay. That one's a fact. That one's a fact. Okay, but you also get uh, Namor taking out Doom. That one, listen, that one irked me. That one irked me, definitely. Um, I don't like Doctor Doom being played. I don't like any implication that Doom did not plan for this, and it wasn't actually a Doom bot. Uh, but nonetheless, this is Sinister's time. It's Sinister's story. This is not a Doom story, probably. 
<laughs> so fine, fine. I accept that. I accept that. So yeah, in resurrecting the four Psychic Quiet Council members, he killed Professor X, Emma, Exodus, and Hope Summers. Sinister's first push is for increased human immortality. His play is to kind of continue the masquerade, right? You have the Quiet Council still having conversation because guess what? Storm is actually not under his control. Storm lasts through the age of Sinister for, was it like five years? You know, Storm stays on the Quiet Council, non-resurrected in this version of events. Um, she doesn't immediately see through the ruse, you know? Uh, so Sinister does actually use a little subtlety in that regard. But the first thing he does is push for more human immortality, grabbing more human imprints. Um, so basically what he does, you make resurrection available to more humans. You are now controlling humankind as well as mutant kind through Sinister genetic takeover. Then Sinister blows up Krakoa and tells humanity it was Orcus, which gets the Avengers on their side for an assault and gets them amenable to um, accepting mutant genes. You know, we have a moment here of Cyclops saying, how about a mutant Captain America? A lot of people tease that in Judgment Day because he does get resurrected via the egg, but I guess because Hope was a part of the process there, you know, Sinister would not have had control of Captain America. Um, so they get the Avengers on their side, and this is all a part of Sinister's master plan. It's it's a really nice, effective, you know, doing it in one issue kind of way of saying, okay, if this supervillain was going to take over the world, how would they do it? Uh, we don't get to see that a heck of a lot, right? You know, speaking of Thanos, you, of course, have um, Thanos Wins, written by Donny Cates with art by Jeff Shaw. You have Empire Doom, or Emperor Doom. Um, is that David Michelini? Uh, that could be, maybe it's Roger Stern. I got Apologies for getting the credits wrong on that one. Um, but, you know, we don't get to see it all the time. Age of Apocalypse, obviously, very famously. Um, it's fun to get to see that play out. It's I, I think the thing that has me most excited about Sins of Sinister is, even though I felt like this issue was kind of like, okay, yeah, like, you know, we're putting the bricks together of a thing that I anticipated. Um, it feels like it's moving fast, and it's been teased as it's going to continue to move fast. We are literally going to time jump every th three issues, right? Like we got we got a Gillen issue, we'll get an Ewing issue, and we'll get a Spurrier issue. That's gonna be the first 10 years. Then we time jump to the, you know, 100 years in the future. Then we time jump to 1,000 years in the future. Um, that sounds awesome. You know, it, they're not gonna be able to sit and rest on their laurels. They're gonna have to move incredibly fast and, and basically, you know, what Gillen said, which is like take over and destroy the Marvel Universe in 11 issues. Um, that's thrilling. That's really exciting stuff. So I think this is going to continue to be great if you were like me and you were kind of like, okay, okay. Um, it's the kickoff. It is. I mean, it's the kickoff. This is the opening drive. And, and even within that, there's plenty of stuff, I think, to get excited about and, and frankly just enjoy on a comic nerd fandom level, right? Again, miniaturized juggernaut blasting through Thanos. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> if you can't enjoy that, you know, if you, if you don't have the the lack of cynicism to sit back and just be like, oh, yeah, that's fun. That's wild. Um, then then superhero comics, like your past superhero comics, you're too evolved for us. <laughs> okay? Um, go read go read some Nabokov and, and drink your tea. Right? Like, it's just, you got to You got to be able to enjoy that stuff. Uh, one thing that did bother me, um, Moira stinks. All right, listen, I'm not going to, I'm only going to do two minutes on this. Okay, only two minutes. <sighs> I didn't need it to be a Moira story. Moira just being like, like Moira has been reduced 
<laughs> to like what? I don't I just, like a like a lackey, like a Star Wars pilot, you know, like a non Skywalker Star Wars pilot. Like she's just in a ship yelling stuff to Nimrod. Like if you if you hadn't read House and Powers and you just picked this up, you'd be like, who's that woman? Oh, just an Orcus lackey. You would know nothing, right? Plays no role in this. Um, Nimrod also went down pretty easy with the Avengers on the X-Men side, which kind of makes you wonder, you know? It's like, like maybe just give Tony a ring next time, you know? Like, listen, I would not want to owe Tony Stark a favor personally. If anything, Midnight Suns has taught me the video game. It's that Tony Stark is the worst of us. Um, but, like, if it's that easy to take down Nimrod with his help, give him a call. <laughs> give him a call. It'd be worth it. But the bummer for me, as Wanda says here in the chat, Moira's a joke now. What a shame. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. Okay. But, like, this, I didn't expect this to be a big Moira story. I think, um, <laughs> Jay says the Moira thing again. Let me check out now. Jay, you're not wrong. I said I'd only do two minutes. But listen, when I'm right, I'm right. It's the thing. That's the thing. You know, it's like people like if you're still going on about the James Harden trade and the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, what could have been. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I don't know. At some point I'll have to let it go, but that won't happen. <laughs> so here we are. All right. What else happened in this? Um, it's an interesting choice, I thought, structurally to spell out how Sinister does it rather than just jump into the alternate reality. I mean, one of the most thrilling things about Age of Apocalypse is the first issue, which is like one of, if not the best event first issues in Marvel history. Um, what do they call it? Is it Age of Apocalypse Alpha, maybe? Or what is it, X-Men Prime? I think it's X-Men Prime. That first issue in the AOA is so perfect. And what it does is it throws you head first into the alternate reality. It gives you a POV in Bishop, in the time-displaced Bishop, but it does not do any of the building to that point in time. We don't see how we got to the Age of Apocalypse. There's just an implicit understanding that the death of Charles Xavier resulted in a world where Apocalypse could take over and create this level of devastation and, and just like a world that is, you know, dystopian and quite different from our own. Gillen takes the opposite tact. You know, he spells out, all right, how would Sinister do it? What's the actual plan? Let's play through it beat by beat. Um, I, because I like the AOA version so much, I guess that's what I anticipated. I guess that's what I thought this would be. You know, I thought we had an implicit understanding. I thought we had an agreement. <laughs> no, I thought we had an implicit understanding of like, yeah, like this is the world where Sinister took over and all the X-Men are going to be under his control. Um, clearly he's got, you know, Charlie X and he's got, you know, probably that means he's got the rest of the Quiet Council or Will. Um, I, I don't dislike spelling it out now. You know, it's just, I suppose it's not what I expected and that kind of threw me off. I'd be curious what some of you think. Like, do you like seeing how the world got this way and seeing how Sinister moved all these pieces on the board? Or do you think you would have preferred what I'm describing in terms of just like, no, Sinister's got it. Like he's, this is the world now. And, and then just go from there because it allows you to actually play with, I think what the real story is, um, a little bit faster, a little bit faster. But like I said, I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, it's issue one. We got 11 to come. Um, I have full confidence it's going to be great, great by the end of things. Uh, all right, let's see. What else? We got a question here from James. Who stole Sinister's lab? We're going to get to that. That's the big reveal at the end of this. Um, before we talk about that, though, we do learn. So Sinister's Quiet Council here 
is everyone we know from the Quiet Council, but taken over by Sinisters, right? And like I said, like five years in, Storm is still among them. Storm is the only one who is not influenced by Sinister, and she starts to realize it. Uh, basically around, it seems like around the time after they take out Orcus and uh, Krakoa is, has been, you know, bombed by their, by their own sinister doings. I don't, presumably Storm was not in the loop on that one. Um, but uh, she starts to realize, like, things are getting dark. Don't love this turn. And then she's like, also, this is not the real Nightcrawler. <laughs> like, she can tell this is not actually Kurt. Then Sinister reveals, oh, don't worry, here's the real Nightcrawler. And he has, like, fully devolved into some sort of demon beast. This is a seeming continuation of what Spurrier was starting to do in Legion of X, where Nightcrawler is developing demon horns. Like, that has... Something wild is going on with Nightcrawler. Presumably there'll be more of that inside Spurrier's Legion of X. But then Storm is like, you know, she, she realizes the game. Of course, Sinister reveals it to her. You know, they all pop out the red diamonds, which they can just show or not show at will. Um, and uh, and Storm is like, I'm out of here. She she relies on some of her Araco friends and, and abilities and lightnings the hell out of the place in a super cool move. So Storm is going to be the counter army, the resistance too sinister. She is the most wanted. Um, it's going to make Al Ewing Storm in the Brotherhood series, I think, extremely interesting. Uh, so the counter army begins with Storm, and it's also going to include Destiny and Mystique, because we see at the end of Immortal X-Men number 10 that Destiny's like, all right, let's bail. Like, she she sees it coming, she knows where this is going, or at least has a clue, and they get out of there, right? So presumably, the counter army begins with Storm, Destiny, and Mystique, uh, which leads us, I think, to most likely candidates for who stole Mr. Sinister's lab. So the very end of the comic, Mr. Sinister realizes that his own quiet council of Sinisters has personality and opinions. You know, so it's not it's not quite the same thing that we've seen Gillen do previously in his 2011 Uncanny X-Men run, um, or even like the House of X and Powers of Ten thing, where it's just like all literal goofball Sinisters running around, you know? Um, it's Professor X in a way, but controlled by Sinister. But like he still has Professor X thoughts and abilities. And same with Emma and Exodus and Hope and on down the line. Like they have unique personality and opinions that they are not always just um, appendages of Mr. Sinister's will. And by the end of this, he's kind of like to hell with that. Like I don't actually want a democracy here. You know, I don't actually want to be taking votes with these underlings that I have taken over. Uh, so he goes to go back to his lab because he hasn't done a Moira reset for however many years it had been at that point, five, 10, whatever. Um, and he goes back to the lab to do a Moira reset. He's like, all right, got a ton of data here. This was great. Great run. You know, like made a lot of progress in the game tonight. Uh, we're going to hit a save point. And he gets back there and he's like, oh, what? My lab is gone. And he's lost all of his Moira clones. So he is trapped in the Sins of Sinister, which is a really nice twist, right? He cannot Moira reset this timeline. He has to play it out, and he has to play it out as is. Uh, so who could have done this? You know, who could have done this? My first thought for stealing the Moiras was we do not see any of the other Sinister suits in this issue, okay? So it's also been revealed in Immortal X-Men and, and throughout, that there are other sinister, you know, there's a sinister of clubs, there's a sinister of hearts, there's a sinister of um, spades, presumably. Maybe red and black, maybe just one of each suit. I'm not 100% on that yet. Uh, we don't see any of them yet, but we know they're out there, 
We know they're out there in the world. They feel like potential suspects for stealing the Moiras because they would be the types of individuals who would know what a Red Diamond Sinister was up to. The other, maybe a little more obvious candidates would be Destiny and Mystique, um, who would... The the base is is under Moira's old lab on Muir Island. That is a place that Destiny and Mystique certainly have familiarity with. Um, Destiny obviously can read Mr. Sinister fairly well. So that doesn't feel unreasonable, although I'm not necessarily sure that's the direction it's going. I'm curious to hear what do all of you think in terms of who stole Sinister's lab. Uh, do you think it's one of the other suited Sinisters? Do you think it's Destiny and Mystique? Those are my top two candidates for sure. I think a third player would be very surprising to me. Um, <laughs> seeing, seeing comment here from James, Moira stole the Moiras. <laughs> so technically, technically we don't see evil robot Moira die, I don't think, in the Orcus assault. Uh, it does not seem impossible that she could have escaped and will play a role in the story. <sighs> I'm not against it. I'm not against actually giving something Moira, giving Moira something to do. Um, and rescuing herself, right? Rescuing her clones and not letting herself be manipulated like that. That would actually be a nice development. I don't hate it. I don't, don't hate it. Uh, let's see. Poetry Media asks in the Super Chat, thanks so much for your support. Do you think the ending of SOS will result in the permanent death of Mystique for a time? That's an interesting question. We have seen Destiny in the, I think it's Mortal X-Men number three, teasing that Mystique is fated to die. She's like, no matter what timeline I play out, um, I cannot prevent Raven from dying. <sighs> that feels very plausible, given the stakes of this event. And especially if we, I, I think if we're going to do that, if the story's going to do that and have the big event death be Mystique's, it's got to be way more Destiny-focused than it currently appears to be. Um, you know, I think I think Destiny and Mystique really need to get some proper screen time as the counter-army to Sinister in this timeline if that's the road that we're going to travel, which could make a lot of sense. That could definitely be kind of what is happening in some of Mortal X-Men, maybe a little bit in the Brotherhood. Like, if they're the glue that holds this together on the the Jack from Lost, we have to go back side of things, you know, and Sinister is the villainous glue, of course, just, you know, sinking further and further into this hell that he can't escape um, that he created. Uh, that could work. So do I think it will actually result in the a permanent death of Mystique? No, be, because there's no such thing as a permanent death, right? If we're in comics. Um, it, like Magneto, we'll see Magneto again. You know, don't you worry. Uh, at some point. Hopefully not for a bit. Right? You want to let these things last and actually have some some impact. Could we see the death of Mystique, though? <sighs> I think I'm going to need, like, one or two more issues to solidify that prediction. But I, I think you're... Yeah, you could be onto something. You could be onto something there. I could see it. Um, all right. Let's see. A lot of folks saying they think Moira did escape and steal the clones. Uh, that'd be good. That'd be fine. All right? And then my criticism of, you know, Moira's got nothing to do. She's just the, the pilot. You know, it gives her something to do. Uh, which I, I would not despise, definitely. Will Sins of Sinister be the last time we see Mutant Resurrection? That's a really interesting question. Like, when, whenever, somehow, when we get back from this, um, however the heck that's going to happen, Krakoa, obviously, is going to be fundamentally altered. Uh, it's going to look incredibly different. And then we're, you know, off to the races with the fall of X. 
and all of what that might entail. Certainly losing trust in resurrection could be a piece of that. I don't think it'll be the end of it because I don't think this story works without that mechanism. You know, and I think you can you can get yourself to believing again if you're Grakoa and these characters that like, well, Sinister was the problem. And as long as he's removed, we can trust resurrection again. So I do think we'll see mutant resurrection back, although certainly it's going to shift and trust in it is going to shift. You know, maybe that does lead to because I get, you know, one of the things with this event that is going to be interesting is sort of the House of X or not the House of X, the House of M um, or even like Age of Apocalypse conundrum of who remembers what, right? Does everyone remember everything that happened? Does no one? Do just a few? You know what I mean? Like that that decision is going to greatly influence. Because if all of, let's say all of mutant kind remembers what Sinister did, uh, how many of them are going to trust going through resurrection, right? It's just going to change the amount of people on Krakoa that are even willing to do it anymore. But I think just in terms of like needing this story to go thousands of years into the future, mutant immortality, it kind of has to stay around in some form or another. Um, let's see. Dave, who do you think will take Sinister's place on the Quiet Council? Namor, maybe? Wow, so confident. We're getting back to a regular Quiet Council after this. <laughs> that that I, I'm not that confident in. I could, see, I could see the dissolution of the Quiet Council before I could see the dissolution of Mutant Resurrection. Um, at one point, Namor would have excited me. Now I'm just like, I don't... I'm, I'm definitely a little out of touch with what Namor's status is right now in the Marvel Universe, and... I, Again, like that seemed like a cool Hickman tease. That might be one of the coolest in the moment, most forgotten Hickman teases. You know, this this moment where Professor X goes to Namor and Namor gives him just this cool badass, like, next time you ask me, you know, know what that really means. And like no, nothing has been done with that. <laughs> Absolutely nothing has been done with that. Uh, so I don't know. Is it Namor time? Probably not quite yet. But yeah, I mean, I feel like we should be getting there. Feel like we should be getting there. Um, all right, let's see what else. What else do we have on sins of sinister? Uh, da, 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 da. Excited, you know. So excluding the conclusion, I thought it felt a little predictable. But we have some lingering threads, some successes. You know, one thing we didn't totally know, I think, which was in the data page, which is very effective, is sinister definitely knows about becoming a dominion, right? Like he knows. I guess he's got the Moira clones. So it shouldn't be shocking that he kind of knows what she knew in her secrets and things. Um, but he is 100% in on understanding or at least knowing about like Ascension and the Phalanx and progression to a Dominion and is angling for that, like wants that for himself. Like that is like if Sinister wants anything, it is immortality for him. Everything else be damned, right? Uh, I do think there's some nice credence here with that desire and with the way this story promises to play out with the the theory that I don't I don't think I came up with this I think I've heard it from other people that Mr. Sinister is the trickster titan that appeared in the pages of Inferno. Uh, if you remember in the Hickman written Inferno uh what's her name Omega Sentinel works with this trickster titan to go back in time and create sort of a uh a timeline B or whatever they call it at that point in time. Uh, the theory is that what if that trickster titan is Mr. Sinister ascended to a titan, uh, a titan being not like Greek mythology, but the term that is used to describe 
a galactic intelligence, one less than a Dominion, but still immense and powerful. That theory feels pretty believable, you know? It really does. I mean, at some point, you are, like, not everything can be sinister. I know everything is sinister. <laughs> like, that's that's what the story is. But at some point in this narrative, not every reveal can be a sinister. You know, it loses its luster. It's a bit um, Gene Parmesan in Arrested Development. You know, <laughs> it gets fun for a while. Uh, if we keep doing it, we're definitely going to beat it into the ground. Uh, but uh, but I do like that theory. I think that one could work and, and tie into the way this event could end. Definitely could feel that. Uh, okay, so I'm going to get a sip of water here from our sponsor today. Our sponsor today is Big Water. Thank you, Water. Uh, shortage coming to an area near you in the near future. But while I do that, I will uh, scan some of these questions and see what we're going to talk about next. All right. Thanks, Big Water. Let's see. What thoughts, what connections? Um, I think I got the super chats. So thanks to those of you who did get those in. I, yeah, I don't know. What did you all think of this? Like, was this awesome? Was this, all right, here we go. Uh, this is, you know, event starter. Was it kind of like, okay, this is going to be good. But like this one, you know, we're setting the scene. We're setting the scene. Let's see. Xavier says, Dave, considering the X-Men are coming to the MCU, do you think that'll impact the Marvel Comics universe's X-Men and Krakoa? Do they have to reset stuff to welcome new readers coming from the movies? I mean, first off, I think we're we're still a bit down the road from X-Men actually being in the MCU. You know, I, I one of the things, there's plenty of criticisms you can levy with the MCU, but one of the things I respect the most is Kevin Feige being like, all right, we have X-Men, we'll get to them eventually, right? Like, you don't need to rush that. It's actually one of the biggest, and I, I think one of the smartest things you can do, frankly, with the MCU is to say, Okay, let's say, so phase four, you know, the, the waters get a little more muddled, right? The hype machine post-Infinity War isn't quite where it was. Um, let's say phase five, let's say it doesn't take off quite the way you're expecting, right? If you then need to infuse the franchise with some new blood, you have that X-Men card to play, right? If you play that too soon, you don't, right? Then you're kind of, what are you, what are you going to save it with? you know, a reboot, you know, your, your options are worse, I think beyond that point. So I do like slow playing them. Uh, but that said, when it does happen, I mean, the history of Marvel Comics and the MCU's relationship here is Marvel Comics generally kind of does their thing. Uh, and increasingly now it's, it seems to be understood that like you tell your stories and then the MCU will steal them later, <laughs> right? And not pay you appropriately. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the methodology here is like Marvel Comics tell stories and the MCU will will pull bits and pieces from them down the road, but they don't want them to be the same story because the, then the MCU has nothing to pull from. Um, that said, there are clearly things in Marvel Comics where character designs, personalities, um, some style things that are like, all right, we'll make this more reflective of the way it looks in the movies because they're the biggest thing in the world. Uh, but I, I don't... At this point in time, think they'd have to reset stuff just to match the... Like, they don't have to match the MCU, I don't anticipate. Um, by the time the X-Men are in the MCU... Like, here's the question. What comes first? The X-Men in the MCU or the end of the Krakoa era? I would say the end of the Krakoa era, probably. Because, um, it, it, like, it's been... Like, it's going to be four years this year. <laughs> it's been a long time. You know, 
uh, I know nobody wants it to end, and I'm among them. But it's, you know, it's not going to, is Krakoa going to last a decade? That'd be wild. And maybe a mistake. All right. Let's see. What else do we got? Dave, do you think Storm is going to win by bringing back A-Daddy and Genesis? Ooh, that'd be a nice twist. That would be a nice twist here. This is teased by Wanda in the chat. Um, I was teasing this all throughout Judgment Day. I thought, for sure, Apocalypse Genesis, back on Arako, fending off Uranus. That could make sense. Uh, it didn't happen, of course. Could Storm be the one to trigger that? I mean, I think what we saw here in Sin Sinister, get me, correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed like Arako was destroyed, but Storm and, and some Iraqi mutants probably escaped. Right, so they're on the run somewhere. Like, I don't think they're still on Mars, slash Morocco. Um, bringing back those mutants as part of the counter-army, I do think would rule. I don't think it's going to be as easy as, you know, like, it's not going to be an apocalypse, like, sinister fight kind of thing. But, you know, mutants that generally are immortal, like, would be much easier to plug into your 100, 1,000-year timeline, you know? So it would make a whole lot of sense. Would make a whole lot of sense. Uh, let's see, JD says 9 out of 10 for the Sins of Sinister number 1. I didn't buy that Storm would go 5 years with so much carnage happening. Um, that does seem like kind of a long time to pull the pull the wool over her eyes. Uh, that said, it's convenient for the plot. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You might be right there. Um, let's see... Yeah, I mean, Banksy points out here with the MCU connection, when the new Doctor Strange movie came out, they literally killed him in the comics like two months before. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, that definitely was not trying in any way to make Doctor Strange comics that would connect with the Multiverse of Madness last year. That's a pretty good a pretty good counterexample to are they desperately trying to push comics that tie to movies. I mean, I, Marvel's general strategy suggests that folks don't walk out of MCU movies and into comic shops to buy ongoing floppies, right? Especially, like, for the first time, which I would think is true. I mean, I would I would think the data pans that out. I think what people do do is they go online and they say, where do I start with Marvel Comics? And then they go to comicbookherald.com and I point them in the right direction, right? But, like, I, I think the experience of I just got out of the movies, that was so much fun, let me find a local comic shop. Okay, great. And then walking in and just being like, what the, <laughs> what, what do I even buy? You know, and you buy a mortal X-Men number 10 and you're just in the thick of it, right? That actually does not sound like a good experience. Love my local comic shop. Go there as often as I can. But uh, that sounds pretty miserable. So, I, I mean, I don't think that's what Marvel is probably banking on. Have a lot of data on the matter, I would imagine. Let's see. Dun, dun, dun. Let's see. CP says, is it too soon for the Moira was right movement? Uh, it, well, in which regard? <laughs> Moira was definitely right when it comes to Sinister. Right? No question there. She was right. That was one of the things she was on the earliest and was clearly, clearly right. Professor X and Magneto screwed that up. That's on them. Um, so, yeah. Give her credit. Give her credit. Uh, okay, what else? We had a couple other comments come out today. We got a little bit of timelines. There's some more questions as they come. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still incredibly excited about this event. It's going to be really good. It's going to be a fun time. And, uh, you know, the most interesting thing right now is just like, how are we going to walk back from a thousand years into the future 
and Sinister becoming a Dominion and continue telling X-Men stories? And what are things going to look like? That still remains a very interesting question that we are no closer to answers on. I don't think. Um, I mean, I mean, one way back is Moira. I would be very surprised, you know, because if she actually did the redemption, the 11th life thing, you could get back to Krakoa again. Um, it doesn't feel like it's that kind of story. But we got a lot of comics to come. Got a lot of comics to come. Uh, Sabretooth and the Exiles, number three. Good comic here written by Victor Laval with art by Leonard Kirk. Uh, this one takes place primarily on the astral plane. Um, not a ton to go into beyond just this book being incredibly solid all the time. Uh, it had a really great last page twist, which I won't even spoil if you're not caught up on. Uh, the book is doing a lot of work to develop Orcus more, which I appreciate. Nice to have a book doing that, considering they're supposed to be the big bad of this era. Uh, the beats with Toad and Sabretooth were really awesome. We finally get a callback to the fact that Toad and Sabretooth were on the mission together in House of X number one, when Sabretooth, you know, killed people and got thrown into the pit for the first time. That was a nice callback. And also the beat with Toad and Sabretooth hightailing it away from Oya was comedy gold. <laughs> a really funny moment in what has otherwise definitely been uh, primarily and depicted as a pretty funny book. There was a little detail here that I don't know that a lot of folks would have caught, which is uh, there's a letter to, I think, Dr. Phalong, maybe, um, of Orcus, and it's about experimenting on humans and the usual Orcus stuff, uh, but it's signed GC, uh, and then there's a number next to it. I think it was 299. Uh, GC is almost certainly grading Creed, Long-time political human slash mutant enemy of mutant kind. Uh, Graydon Creed actually debuts, I think, in Uncanny X-Men number 299. So that number is definitely not an accident. Uh, more things being numbered that reference issues that don't seem to be referencing issues. Love that kind of Easter egg. Super fun. But I bet that's going to be Graydon Creed. Makes sense. Like, of course, Graydon Creed would be joining with Orcus. Perfect fit. Perfect fit. Um, but yeah, a really good last page twist in this one. Uh, it's I don't have any idea like what <laughs> is happening, but I'm excited about that. And I again, I just find it interesting that like Orcus is good at what they do. They're they are mining psychic energy in these Orcus astral planes. Like they are doing weird, wild stuff, and and building them into a suitable threat for Krakoa. I think is important work right now. Let's see. Uh, then the final issue, we had Exterminators number five. Uh, my main thought, I have a couple thoughts on this one. Um, Exterminators was like far from my favorite series, but it was totally fine throughout. I would read a Leah Williams Dazzler book. I think that could actually be a lot of fun. Uh, I would I would read a Dazzler mini. I feel like this could be a good error for that. This book is so unapologetically focused on women. It's a, a full... Um, the team is entirely comprised of women. It is written by a woman. It has dialogue and stuff that is for that audience. Um, it's intentionally sexy throughout. That is a rarity a lot of times, and certainly historically throughout Marvel Comics. Does that mean it's for me? Literally, no. <laughs> it does not. Uh, and that's great. That's good. Not every comic needs to be. So, so no notes on that. Um, that's a good thing. That's why I think like a Dazzler mini, like, yes, like cater to multiple audiences, like good grief, Marvel. It's not just, <laughs> anyway, uh, and, and, okay. And also I have to point out, if you see YouTube channels calling exterminators, the worst X-Men comic, 
they suck. <laughs> like, they suck, okay? Uh, they have bad taste. And most importantly, the only reason they're calling it that is because the book is so focused on women. Uh, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, all right. Have better opinions. That's all I'm asking. Let's see. Get in your questions. Get in your thoughts. I'm going to get one more sip of water, and then we can do it. James points out here, last we saw of Grading Creed, he was resurrected from hell by Sabretooth, giving up his morality as a gesture to give something to his son. <laughs> yeah, that feels right. That feels right. Um, I mean, listen, we don't, we don't need to worry too much about, let's say, 2014 to 2018 X-Men continuity. Marvel's not. <laughs> they, they are not especially worried about uh, anything that happened during that time period. And generally speaking, that's fine. Generally speaking, that is fine. Uh, somebody points out here, dang, just realized Thanos being taken out stops him from finding the Black Infinity Stone and taking Thor's hammer. And it says, even though this timeline won't stick. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, anything that has happened, like, listen, like, Doctor Doom will be back. <laughs> Thanos will be back. Um, I thought the reveal there, actually was the idea that Thanos is, like, floating through the time stream, apparently. Um, I don't think we actually knew that, or maybe even know that, because, again, this could all get rewritten. But, like, you know, Gillen leaves Eternals with Thanos finally getting bested by um, Druig. And he kind of just, like, explodes. Like, does, like, doesn't he, like, Last of Us cordyceps him? You know, <laughs> something like that. And, uh, I, you know, Thanos is perpetually getting resurrected anytime he dies, but I don't think we knew the hows and the whys of it. Uh, but apparently, maybe he's just floating through the time stream. So that could be how we get Thanos back, I think. I think. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> the comment here, it's a good comment from, uh, from Sacco. I'm not willing to get into the headspace of any YouTube troll channel, which, yes, like, that is, that's a healthier place to be. But as a regular dude, I'm totally happy to read comics about cool women in sexy outfits killing vampires. That's definitely the funniest part about these channels that, that just absolutely lose their minds at the thought of women and, and queer communities and minorities getting attention is uh, they will go out of their way to decry as you put it, cool women in sexy outfits killing vampires. <laughs> like, like the exact thing that they are otherwise clamoring for. You know, just the hypocrisy. It reeks. It reeketh. All right. I think we're about there. Let's see. I don't know. I got 10 minutes. If you can get in questions, you can get in thoughts, we can talk about it. Otherwise, I think I've covered pretty much everything I want to. Uh, it says, I got a super chat here that said, I've been listening for two years and finally get back a little for all the entertainment. Thanks for the weekly X Hangout. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you very much. I really super, super appreciate it. Again, you know, all the stuff uh, that I do is over on comicbookherald.com. Uh, you can, of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel here on Comic Book Herald. I've got a couple videos coming on, like, where to start in Marvel Comics in 2023. If you're looking for some inroads this year specifically, I'll have a guide for that. Uh, I will also be putting together almost certainly a fast track into the Krakoa era. I will probably do that before... Well, like after Sins of Sinister, but before Fall of X. Uh, this has come up a handful of times now. And like I said, you know, it's been four years. Uh, so it's, you know, it's been a long time uh, that this has been going on. And a lot of readers, you know, I'm always mildly baffled when people aren't just like, yes, I also read all of the comics. Like that that general line of thinking doesn't necessarily jive with the way my brain works. Uh, but 
a lot of readers at this point, you know, they probably missed a lot of stuff. And they have questions about like, well, what do I actually need to read? You know, because the reality is like a lot of these comics that have come out, they might be perfectly fine. Uh, for example, like the first Marauders run, right? Like how much of that do you need to have read to understand what's happening in the in X-Men comics right now? Probably not a heck of a lot, right? So I'll, do, I'll be doing the kind of a fast track essential if you're like, okay, how do I catch up on this uh, appropriately and in a way that's going to be fun, you know, and, and just purely enjoyable? That's what that'll be. I mean, just off the top of my head, you know, I mean, I think it's going to be obviously House of X and Powers of 10 is, is the 1A. Um, probably for the Hickman run of X-Men, I can pick like, you know, I don't know, five to eight issues that are like actually essential. I think you throw Ten of Swords, the core three issues in there. I think you got to throw in the Hellfire Galas, but at least the first one. Actually, I don't know about the second one. Um, the first one though, where we terraform Mars, it's got to be in there. Uh, what else? Hickman's Inferno makes the cut. Uh, Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red definitely make the cut. I got to throw Hellions in there just for being so awesome and so funny, uh, even if it's maybe the least essential of the bunch. And I mean, if I've, I've already jumped to Immortal and X-Men Red, you know, now we're at Sins of Sinister territory, you know? Is there anything that I didn't mention? I'm doing this off the top of my head, so there almost certainly is. Uh, sword, I think you, you got to throw in the Ewing Sword into that mix. That's pretty important, pretty good. That first issue, at least, absolutely essential. Oh, what else? Judgment Day, I guess you got to read because of the Mag's Daddy implications. What else? What am I missing? Throw it in here. Throw it in here if I missed it. Um, let's see. What questions do we got? Jay says, bring back Hickman. Nah, we're good, Jay. We're good. Thank you, though. Uh, nobody says, great show as usual. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate hearing that. Any prediction about how the Battle of Essexes will go down? Oh, like I said, like, I just don't feel like we have enough information about, about what's to come here. I think the sinister suits have to throw down at some point. Um, I think I, the thing is like, I'm not that invested in the other suited sinisters. You know, I like our core red diamond sinister. I, I want the sinister suits to throw a wrench into his plans and to have their own schemes, but I don't actually want them to take precedence because I don't care about them as much, you know? Uh, so I think he defeats them or like wins, but in such a way that then he's trapped in a dominion and nothing quite goes to plan. Cause I, I think that's the important thing about sins of sinister and, and Gillen has certainly not said anything otherwise, which is, you know, sinister is successful in conquering the world, but he's also out of his depth and he also is like, doesn't quite have a hold on it. You know, he's not actually Dr. Doom. He's not actually Thanos, you know, like where he kind of, does it and has control, like this thing is elusive and slipping out of his fingers and it has to maintain that energy because he does have to lose and he should. Like he is an evil maniac. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Uh, da, da, da. Thoughts on new Avengers run from Jed McKay. Um, super excited about that. Jed McKay is awesome. I read the Timeless annuals that Marvel released the last couple years written by Jed McKay recently. They're, they are King the Conqueror character studies. And they're so much better than they have any right to be. Those timeless issues, they're especially the first one. Really love the first one. Uh, great King comics. They are uh, teases for what's to come. And they could have just been advertisements for like, hey, here's what's coming in Marvel Comics. Uh, but instead, there are these really nice character portraits of King the Conqueror by McKay. Um, McKay Avengers are going to be really good. If you haven't read their stuff, check out Moon Knight. Check out um, those timeless issues. What else? Um, Black Cat. Really great. Got Black Cat and Mary Jane stuff going on right now. Jemma K kills it. I have a ton of confidence that that Avengers run is going to be good. 
Okay. Uh, before the Krakoa era ends, there should be a swimsuit special, like in the 90s, our Xerox says. You know, honestly, surprising they haven't done it yet. That actually is surprising. Uh, I would not in any way be shocked if we saw a swimsuit special next year for the fifth year of this era. And final question. Patrick asks, any chance of finishing your Hickmania series with the quorum? Will you jump to a new writer? Yeah, so last year I did Hickmania. We went through all of the creator-owned works of Jonathan Hickman in videos here on the CBH channel. Um, you know, I had a decorum thing lined up, and uh, it fell through, and then I kind of just lost the desire <laughs> to do that. Uh, so it's pretty unlikely, I got to say, at this point in time. Um, decorum is interesting. It is artistically fascinating. Definitely. Uh, it is It is kind of just, I think the biggest problem with the quorum is it is so clearly Hickman and Mike Huddleston doing proto Three Worlds, Three Moons, which is their current ongoing Substack uh, comic. So no, I mean, the answer is no. Right now I have no plans to cover it. Um, just, I've kind of just moved on. Am I going to do another writer this year? I don't think I am. I, I, I liked that project, but frankly, like I have so many other things to read between interviewing creators and doing this stuff on CBH and just wanting to have time that is just me saying, you know, hey, I actually just want to read some manga and not be creating conversation around it. Um, you know, I, I think probably I won't do that. <laughs> I also don't know who I'd pick. There's kind of like, there aren't that many writers where I either haven't explored a lot of their catalog um, or... Or feel like I'd have a ton to say or then that people would be interested in. I mean, Alan Moore certainly comes to mind, but, you know, I've read the big ones. So it would really just be like a, a study of, like, Moore's lesser-known stuff. Um, you know, Grant Morrison, a similar sort of thing. Uh, you know, beyond that, though, it's like, I don't know. I don't really have, like, a single creator that I want to spend a whole year just talking about their stuff. Um, because, I, like, I wouldn't want it to be – I want it to be, like, hardly any rereads is the thing, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Long answer to probably what could have been easy. Uh, okay. Oh, the final part of that question was, did you submit an idea to the Three Worlds, Three Moods contest? Uh, no. Uh, I thought about it. I, I actually had a thing, like, half written, and then it kind of just moved fast and uh, and was done and, you know, didn't uh, didn't pull it off. So I'll shed a tear for that. <laughs> and Bill, final question. Bill asks, did you know that Agatha has reversed aged herself in Midnight Suns number five? <laughs> yes, I did see this. Um, this is Agatha Harkness is now classically middle-aged and attractive uh, as opposed to near death's door and hot, <laughs> much like old Aunt May in the Silver Age. Uh, I hate this. I hate everything about it. Uh, you know, the Agatha Harkness that actually is much better than this is uh, the Midnight Suns video game where she is a deceased ghost <laughs> and is super cool and I like her and I like that character a lot and Midnight Suns pretty fun the game not the comic the comic stinks thanks everybody for listening we'll be back next week or any week that the comics are good and worth talking about enjoy the comics <laughs>